0: The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was born to parents who came from Cuba. There was very little money, and she was taught to work hard and take care of her younger sister. She went to Catholic school, and the rules here, coupled with the Cuban culture, made life very constrictive. Wrongs were viewed as black or white, with no gray areas. She was constantly supervised, yet her spirit was one of independence and a craving for freedom. At the age of 17, she married a man her parents didn't approve of, but it was her way out. However, he wasn't a kind man. He abused her and taught her that she always had to do the right thing, just like her parents. So she stayed with him and had children. Along the way, she earned degrees in psychology and marriage and family therapy. And she used this knowledge to keep her and her children safe, as well as others she counseled. Today, as a divorced woman, she continues to walk a path to greatness and she counsels and guides others through the challenges of life. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Aileen Castellano. Hi, Aileen, thank you for joining me today. Well, Annette, what a wonderful introduction. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, I'm so excited. We have so much to talk about. So let's get started. So when you married at 17, you thought the man loved you, yet now you realize it was more about obsession and control. So what do women need to look for to keep from
1: getting sucked into harmful relationships? Well, that's a great question, Annette. So something that was important or is important for me to teach women is to just to be around somebody that elevates them, builds them up, makes them better people. When you're with somebody that is criticizing or judging or telling you that you're not enough and they do that long enough, you start to believe and to buy into that yourself. So when you're looking for love outside, I love to teach women to remember to look for the love inside of themselves first. And that was a very hard lesson for me because my parents um, weren't very affectionate. So I didn't really have a good guide of what that would be. And so when this person was so obsessed with me and wanting to control me, I thought that was love. And I know that for young girls, it becomes such a dangerous zone because they're looking for love so many times outside of them, because they are coming from some level of dysfunction. And they'll find these men that want to have them, but not want to have them because they love them, but want to have them because they can control them. And somehow they feel empowered by being able to control these women. And what I really noted in all this, Annette, though, is when I was looking at the patterns as a psychologist, is a lot of these men look at women that are strong and powerful. So you almost become a trophy for them. It's like, wow, if I could take her over, then there's something really good about me, right? So they start to look at their identity for how much they can control you and how much they can stomp on you or how much they can minimize and demean your power and who you are. And so I want to make women aware of that. I'm going to dig a little deeper on this because you said a couple of
0: things that I think there's even more juiciness here. When women are entering into relationships and a partner relationship with a male, what do they need? Is there tell signs they need to listen for? Is there words they need to be aware of? Because sometimes I think we get
1: so enamored with what we want it to be. We miss what it is. Oh, that's a great question. So you're absolutely right. So one of the things that were patterns that I kind of missed, and I'll go into that a little bit more, but one of the things that I want to remind women is that they'll say things like, it's because I love you. It's because you're so special to me. It's because I don't want anybody to look at you or anybody to do anything to you. And so it's shown in a, in a way of protection And one of the things that we know as women is that there's three things that we look for in our partners is safety, security, and support. And so they appear to be that. And they say it in their words and they use very nice words to dress that up. But then the reality of their actions happens. And so I remember being in situations where that was his line. It was, it's because I love you so much that I couldn't allow that man to say hello to you, or I couldn't allow you to spend too much time with your family or your friends, and because I just want you to myself. And so those are very powerful key words that I would recommend women to look out for, because there's something underlying, there's something else going on behind that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a brilliant insight. It really is. So when you completed your psychology degree, you use the knowledge to cope with your abusive husband. So what advice would you give to women who find themselves in abusive relationships, whether it be personally or business?
1: Hmm. So one thing on that, that I, I love to recommend to women is we get, like you said earlier, we get enamored in this and what we see is their potential. And so we fall in love with that. And it's like there, I mean, this person is extremely intelligent. So I couldn't even imagine that somebody that smart and somebody that that could be so, so good with math and remembering formulas and calculus and science. And how could this person be this? And so I thought that I could change him and I could somehow make him become all the great things that I saw in him. And I obviously very early on realized that was not a good plan. Yeah, but we see, we want to see what we want to see. And then we want to build them up to be that. But that's that's us falling in love with an illusion and living an illusion and living a lie. Because bottom line, it's a lie.
0: Yeah, and I think that's brilliant because I think women get caught in that so often. And I think it happens no matter what age they are, Aileen. I think it happens to us when you're young women. Yeah. It happens to us when we are older women. Yes, so for sure, and and maybe that comes from that teaching that we had as young girls about the fantasy world and the, mm-hmm. the cinderella and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that is just a fantasy. It's not the real life that so many of us are faced with in the in the world for sure yes. Yes. So during those tough years, you were an expert in family matters in the court system. Yeah. yet at home, your life was one of abuse. So what is the danger when such misalignment is taking place in a woman's life?
1: That's a great question, Annette. (sighs) So that imposter syndrome that we talk about was consuming me. And one of the things that I know for women is that so often we get caught up in the more we want to help somebody going through things, the more it's because it's touching us. It's touching home. And so the more I thought, the more clients I saw and the more clients I could save from going and experiencing what I was going through, somehow one day was just going to be better for me. Somehow he would wake up a different person or I'd have the courage to walk away, whatever that was. And so that was the story I was telling myself. But the imposter syndrome was making me sick. I was getting kidney stones. I was having thyroid conditions. My body was shutting down because I couldn't live with my truth, which was here I am giving this great advice to these men and women because it wasn't always just the women. It was the men too. And trying to give them advice because I had so much information. I had so much knowledge because I was living and experiencing it, and experiencing it through myself. And I became very protective of the children in family court services. And so that was a role that I took on very strongly, very intentionally, because I knew what my kids had gone through and were going through at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it certainly made life difficult for you, didn't it, to have oh, those types those two different situations. It's like you were living in two different worlds. Yes. They were two very different worlds. Yes. So now I'm going to move into a different aspect. I'm going to talk a little bit about forgiveness because forgiveness can be a powerful act and you were often told you needed to forgive your husband. But looking back, what do you now realize about forgiveness?
1: So there were two aspects of forgiveness that were very important for me to step into. Number one was forgiving myself. Forgiving myself for staying so long, forgiving myself for putting my kids through it, forgiving myself for not asking for help and the few times that I would talk to attorney friends of mine, I knew with the family court services, I knew the law. So I knew that it was either me dealing with this person while I still had my family intact somehow, or it was me having to do time sharing, which is the state of Florida, that's the law. Doesn't matter, you know, they could accuse or make all sorts of accused accusations, but eventually they will, through supervised visitations, have this person reunite with their kids. So I knew the law and I knew that that was not the route I was going to go. So I wanted to forgive myself for staying and forgiving myself for keeping it all to myself and not asking or at least letting other people know what I was experiencing so that maybe they could have at least helped my kids. So that was one form of the forgiveness that I knew I had to incur, but the other one Annette was so difficult because people kept telling me I had gone to therapy, I had gone to coaches, I had gone to friends and colleagues of mine and Everybody kept saying the same thing, the same narrative. You've got to forgive because if you don't forgive, you can't move on. And, you know, you just have to do the right thing. And that was like a dagger in my heart because how could I forgive someone that had hurt me and had hurt my children to the extent that he had? Doing that for me was like conspiring against myself. It was like accepting that everything that had happened was okay. And so I opted not to do it that way. And not because I'm vengeful or I wish him all the best, but what he did and how he acted and all the years of that I stayed hoping that one day, miraculously, he would wake up and just be a completely different person, that was unforgivable. And so sometimes I believe that we just have to step into there are certain acts or there are certain things that people do to us that are unforgivable. And that line that they say, well, he was your best teacher. It was the best thing that could have ever happened to you. It's like, "Mm, you know what? I would have rather the lesson in a completely different way than the way that I had to go through it. And I don't wish it upon anybody. And I'm
0: going to stay with this just for another second, because this forgiveness thing, forgiving ourselves, you had a big thing that you needed to forgive yourself on. But I think we women often have small things that we struggle to forgive ourselves on, especially we as driven women. Something as simple as not getting all the household chores done exactly the way they should be or or the, the children not being dressed perfectly or whatever it is that we put this shame on ourselves and think that we have wronged in some way. Those can be also equally as tough to forgive, can't they?
1: Oh, of course, and women beat themselves up all the time about this if they're not impeccable and perfect and again, and it, something you said earlier was so powerful is that's the training that we have that's the indoctrination is that we have to be perfect, and so we've got to be the super mom the super the super wife, the super daughter, like we've got to do everything to perfection, and if we don't, then there's something wrong with us and so it's very difficult to get around that narrative because that's our training. And then now here we are, right, telling uh, very powerful driven women, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. It's like, I don't know how else to be. And so it's almost like a retraining that has to happen with these women and teach them that it's okay, you know, if the bed didn't get made that morning and it's not the end of the world and that they're still beautiful and perfect, but it, it takes a long time sometimes to get there.
0: Yeah. And I think it's easy for us to slip back into that place (laughs) even after we get there for sure. So for years, you had a very busy private practice, which not only served hundreds of patients, but also was an escape for you from your toxic home environment. So do you think others often use work as a way to avoid tough things and how can they change this?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think most people, if they're not happy at home, they're going to look for an escape, whether that is working extensive hours in the office or finding other things to occupy their time with. Perhaps they're working out every day or they're they're obsessive about reading books or going to the library or it can be anything. We find escape routes when we're not happy and we're not feeling fulfilled in our home environment or whatever that environment is for us. So I always want to make women aware of where are you spending excess amount of time And if you stepped into a reflection or meditation, ask yourself why you're doing that. And for me, I was so grateful that I could actually serve people by the experiences and the work that I was doing. But, you know, sometimes it could have been something toxic, right? It could have been something negative. And it really was something negative. It wasn't healthy. I was seeing 55 clients a week, then doing notes all Saturday, Sunday, I really, you know, again, self-care wasn't a thing because my self-care was seeing clients. But again, they were just sharing all of their tragedies and all the difficulties that they were going through. So I didn't really have a lot of time for peace or peaceful moments. So I started the practice of meditation. And that that was my way of escaping is plug in those headsets and and listen for 20 minutes to something that was going to continue to empower me to begin the next day all over again.
0: I want to stay in this for a second because I want to go a little deeper on this. Because one of the things that I want your thoughts on, Aileen, is that I often see when women go through very difficult periods, as you did in your your life, sometimes they will find the thing that they throw themselves in is almost a mirror of what they're dealing with someplace else. And is that a matter of them trying to create a situation where they can have control and impact? Or, what is that, do you think?
1: So, absolutely, Annette. I became an expert at talking to people about toxic relationships because I was in it. And so, my clients, the ones that I'm so in family court services, I was known as the high conflict expert. And those were the cases that they were throwing my way because they saw how well I could navigate. We're going to protect these kids. I don't care what mom and dad are saying or doing, if they can't be the responsible parents and they can't have access to their children until they get help. And that was the voice that I, that was the, the loud, thunderous voice that I was sharing in court. And it was because I was so adamant about what was happening to these kids because I knew firsthand what that looked like. I do agree that what we mirror or what's being mirrored in front of us is because it is something that truly is striking us or it's an experience or something that we're still dealing with in our own personal life.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yes.
1: So you mentioned self-love a while
0: ago and how there was so little of that time for that when you were heavy into your practice. But you and I both know it's so important to, to a success journey. So what does your self-love look like these days?
1: Oh, Now everything is about self-love. So I kind of went to the other spectrum and really decided that I wanted to live out my values and I wanted to live the lifestyle that was going to be good for me and lifestyle and freedom are very much in alignment in my life today. And so self-love and self-care is that regular massage every week. It is making sure that I'm doing my meditations, that I'm having those lavender baths before I end my evening. It is about journaling what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling, the triggers, right? Because we're always being triggered and we're always going to be triggered. There's always something that, thank goodness, we're growing and evolving from and into, so I love my journals. I love writing and spending time with people that make me feel good, that elevate me. And I'm going to recommend that to everybody out there that's listening and watching this today. The importance of being around people that elevate you makes such a difference and makes such an impact in your life. Because if you're thinking for a moment, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself down. I'm going to be, I'm going to say something to judge myself or critique myself somehow. And you have that person that, that's around, that loves you, that's gonna tell you, hey, you can't do that. Like you're not like let's reframe that. Let's do something different with what you just said about yourself. And you're in that constant consciousness, inevitably you will stop saying those things about yourself and start seeing you and yourself in the light that other people see you. And when you're around those people, Annette, yes. they're seeing things in you that sometimes you forget about yourself. And so they're just those reminders that are telling you how great and beautiful you are.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. Great advice. So through the court system, Aileen, your private work and your own experience, you certainly know how self-worth can be destroyed. Mm -hmm. So how does a woman reclaim her self-worth after being torn down by life circumstances? (laughs) I know we could go for hours on this one for sure.
1: (laughs) (sighs) So it was interesting, Annette, that I knew all along that I had lost myself and that I was not being kind to myself because I was hearing the words that I was saying to my clients. So it was like, okay, you're saying that and it sounds beautiful, but you're not addressing it and doing that and being that for yourself. And so the journey is difficult sometimes. It's a lonely place to be sometimes also. So I think accepting where you went, where you came from, what you experienced is going to be so important. So that aspect of accepting, okay, all right, here I am. Like This is what I did and this is where I'm at right now. What solution can I find to this? And so that's where it is important to get together a support system, make sure you have a strong support system, go to therapy, coaching, some kind of healing. I used all of them because I needed it at so many different layers. And so you don't have to do the journey alone, which is the one thing that I um it's okay. It was that one aspect that I just I was so ashamed of what I was experiencing and what I had experienced. And it was, the, so when I come out of all this, my question was constantly beating myself up with how could you have stayed so long? How could you have done this to yourself? Like you knew better, right? I'm strong. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a family therapist. I'm a mom of four kids. Like, you know, I push through and everything that I do and how could I have stayed so long? And so that was the recurring theme of the questions that I kept asking myself. So until I found beautiful people, healers, therapists that walked me through that journey. And then it's been three years. So, you know, it's been work. It's not something that happens overnight. And I, you know, don't want to give anybody the impression that that's what it is. But I couldn't, couldn't have done it by myself. And I thought I could, right? Because as a driven woman, right? I'm super resilient. I could. Push through anything, but that was the one thing because my heart was involved. It was my heart, my, my emotions, my feelings for this person, my feelings for my children. How would I be seen in the world? How would I be seen by my family? So a lot of shame, a lot of blame, a lot of feeling lonely and how to get through. And so the sooner you get people involved and, and you find help and you And it's not because you're not good enough and it's not because you are weak or it's because you are strong. And that's what I recognize in that. It was through my strength that I was ready to just say, you know what? I can't do this one by myself. This is the one thing in my life that I need help. I need support. I need, I need people around me that love me and I needed, I did. I I used all the help I could get to get me out of that hole I was in for so long.
0: Right. And I think that's brilliant advice because, I and all of you listening, I hope you take it to heart what Aileen has said in that you don't, whatever you find yourself in, in terms of a difficult situation, you as a driven woman will tend to want to go it alone, soldier it alone, cowboy up. But sometimes you do need uh, someone to help you through that journey, for sure. Aileen, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women?
1: So there were a few things, in it that I wanted to share today. One is that I want them to, just like I had to do with myself, because again, everything isn't bad, is what did I, what were my takeaways? What did I win from this? And I learned that I had a level of resilience. I had this perseverance. I had this resolve within me that if I put my mind, my heart, my intentions into it, I was going to come out on the other side. There was a, a long time in there where I thought that was it. That was my life. And I would cry myself to sleep and wake up that way in the morning and and really say things like, there has to be something more to my life than what I'm experiencing right now. And because I learned to be so strong and resilient, I did come out on the other side. And so when you're feeling that you're strong or you're nagging or you're being too impulsive, you know, stay with that. There's something inside of you that is telling you that what's happening in your life isn't good enough, that you deserve something better. And so I want to remind women to stay in that nudge and and really try to figure out what is what am I trying, what is my talk, what is what is it that I'm telling myself that I'm ready to act upon, that I don't want to stay in this place because it's not making me happy. And I see, and I know that you've seen this too, Annette, we've seen women actually create all sorts of diseases, whether it's autoimmune diseases, cancer because they just internalized everything. I'm so grateful that I had a channel. I had, I had clients that I could just pour into. So I wasn't internalizing all of that. And I wasn't making myself sick to that extent, but a lot of women do because they just swallow it all and they just take it all in. And so I want to remind you all what, from that experience, not that it was the best thing that happened to you, not because they were great teachers, but what did you learn about yourself and what tools and skills do you have inside that you can use to get yourself out and onto the other side of whatever it is that you're experiencing? Because that strength, that power is in you. And and somehow maybe it's been dormant because that's what you did, but try to Don't try. We don't like to try. Put it into practice. (laughs) Get get with it, girls. Yeah. Start pushing through. Don't settle. Exactly. No, no. You will come out on the other side. I I promise you, you will come out on the other side.
0: Yeah. And I think that is tremendous wisdom and perspective (laughs) to leave our listeners with today. Aileen, thank you for taking time. You're a busy woman. I appreciate it so much. You being willing to come and be vulnerable and open about your journey so that we can help other women hear that wisdom and learn from it as well.
1: Oh, Annette, thank you. And thank you for creating this beautiful platform for the world's greatest women and so many highly driven, powerful women out there. And I know that they've gone through stuff to be who they are and where they're at today. So again, kudos to you for creating this for us.
0: Thank you, Aileen. And Aileen is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the world's greatest women show as another powerful woman's story unfolds.